Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. My favorite thing about working in healthcare is the people. This industry brings together brilliant, highly motivated individuals who are driven by the opportunity to make a difference. My name is Hallie Tecco, and this is The Heart of Healthcare, a podcast where I'll be introducing you to the people on the ground, moving the needle in public health and medicine. It's an unnerving scene. The body of a teen spasming in a coughing fit on a ventilator just to breathe. It just progressively got for, got worse extremely fast. 17-year-old <laughs> Tristan Zofield was taken to Cook Children's Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas with blockage in his lungs. I woke up just throwing up everywhere and my heart was just pounding out of my chest going 100 miles an hour. And doctors believe it was all because of vaping. He's a very sick, otherwise healthy looking child and we don't see previously healthy 17-year-olds that sick that quickly. E-cigarettes, or vape pens, were initially introduced to the world as smoking cessation aids. They claimed that it was just water vapor, surely less harmful than smoking cigarettes. But here's where things went wrong. The aerosol that users breathed from the device and exhale can actually contain many harmful substances, including nicotine, ultrafine particles that can be inhaled deep into the lungs, cancer-causing chemicals, and heavy metals, such as lead. Juul, a popular brand of e-cigarettes, has the tagline, the smoking alternative. Sure, it's not a cigarette, but it still contains high levels of nicotine. According to the manufacturer, a single Juul pod contains as much nicotine as a pack of 20 cigarettes. With the advent of tasty artificial flavors, something that is illegal for cigarette manufacturers to do, vaping has become extremely attractive to young people. In fact, one in five high school students admit to vaping. A National Academy of Medicine report found some evidence that e-cigarette use increases the frequency and amount of cigarette smoking in the future. So it seems that the quote-unquote smoking alternative may really be the smoking gateway. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Susan Wally, who serves as chief of the Division of Hospital Medicine at Children's National Hospital. She is an expert in the prevention of youth tobacco use and tobacco-related diseases. She also serves as the chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics Section on Nicotine and Tobacco Prevention and Treatment. Her research interests include developing effective healthcare and school-based interventions to decrease youth tobacco use. Dr. Wally, welcome to the show. Thank you, Hallie. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> All right. So 
to frame the conversation we're about to have, I want to make sure that I'm using the right terminology. E-cigarettes, vapes, vape pens, they're all synonymous? You know, I think that really is a great question because oftentimes it is very confusing that there are so many names for the same products, but you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. E-cigarettes, electronic cigarettes. There's also a term that you might find, um, electronic nicotine delivery systems. But for youth, they're generally calling these same products either by their trade name like Juul or Puff Bar or oftentimes vape, as you said. Okay. And can you just give us a background on, on what these products are? Yeah, absolutely. So these are products that were introduced in the United States around the mid-2000s. And what they are is they're handheld devices that are battery-powered that are designed to deliver generally nicotine flavors and oftentimes like vegetable glycerin or propylene glycol to users. The part that is really concerning to us as pediatricians is that these are not safe products, and they almost always contain nicotine, which we know is an addictive product. So these are tobacco products, and Mm -hmm. oftentimes um, you'll see mislabeling or incorrect or false labeling on these products. I've heard them referred to as, this is just water vapor. That's not right. That's exactly right, that it is not right. Yeah, it's right that Uh, it's not right. That's right, that's right. These products have, because they're tobacco products, we have found, or scientists have found, that they contain some of the same carcinogens that Mm. you'll find in, you know, regular or conventional cigarettes. They also contain, you know, high levels of nicotine. They contain flavors, which oftentimes can be dangerous, you know, by their own account, Mm. as well as propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin. So they absolutely are not safe for youth to use. Are these ingredients listed on the product? So great question. Oftentimes the manufacturers will list nicotine, the propylene glycol or vegetable glycerin and flavors. However, in this period of uh, very limited regulation by the FDA, we have no assurances that what's listed in the product is actually what is in the product. So scientists have found other products like carcinogens, which mean cancer-causing agents, and other toxicants in these products that are not listed uh, on the label. Mm. So we can't talk about vaping without talking about the history of Juul. And most listeners, I assume, would know the history of Juul inadvertently marketing to children, using flavors as a way to attract children to the product. Can you give us, from your point of view, as a pediatrician, as an advocate, what happened? Where where did this all go wrong? Because we had seen smoking rates decline precipitously over the past couple decades, and then the last 15 years go the other direction. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head that there was progress with, you know, public health measures. And Juul came on the market in the mid-2010s 
And due to, you know, limited regulation, limited marketing, advertising, basically use the same playbook as big tobacco. So, you know, if you look Mm. at the way that they were advertising, it was young, sexy models, very, very youth appealing. And the same thing goes to what the flavors that they were um, advertising. So things Mm. like mango, things like, uh, you know, cool cucumber, uh, creme brulee. And the reason flavors were removed from conventional cigarettes in 2009, with the exception of menthol, is because we knew that flavors attract youth. Mm. So unfortunately, Juul and other companies were allowed to use that same playbook to attract this whole new generation of youth to using tobacco products. Yeah, but they didn't get away with it. Well, the story is still emerging, and fortunately, the FDA did um, take some action by regulating that Juul and other pod-based companies um, needed to take flavors off the market. So Juul is still on the market with their tobacco flavors as well as menthol. Unfortunately, there was a huge loophole, and so both e-cigarette solutions, uh, like what you might see in uh, vape pens or what we call mods or tanks, where you pour the e-cigarette solution into the e-cigarette, are still a wild west. You can buy any flavor. So it's become a DIY situation. Exactly. And what really is most concerning in youth, because this is the most common e-cigarette that they're using, are what we call disposables. Those are like puff bar. And you can buy them in any flavor. I went actually to a vape shop. I do this, you know, sort of intermittently. I'll go visit a vape shop just to see what's on the market. Yeah. And I was actually told by the clerk, oh, well, these disposables are actually illegal, but, you know, they're selling them. And they had death by chocolate. They had strawberry. They had uh, sour mango. They had lots of different flavors that, you know, aren't going to appeal to, you know, a 60-year-old adult that might be quitting smoking. They're appealing Mm. to those teenagers and young adults. Yeah. Wow. So you don't go in your white coat. You you have under you go undercover. I do go a little <laughs> undercover. Uh, I'm surprised they don't have your face in the back in the back room in the break room. <laughs> Look out for this doctor. Well, I do purchase. Not of course, I have a problem with you know supporting tobacco companies, but yeah. I think it is important when I talk with parents and I talk with other pediatricians to show them these products, mm. um, how youth appealing they are. You know, when you even just smell them, they smell delicious. You can understand mm. why kids and young adults would want to use them. Yeah, their brain lights up. Exactly. That's those dopamine yeah. and serotonin receptors. So Jules tagline is the smoking alternative and e-cigarettes were created from my understanding were created to help with smoking cessation. Is that also happening? Is it that we're helping a different generation quit smoking, but the cost of that is we're creating a whole new generation of smokers on the other end? Yeah. You know, one of my passions is to help adult smokers quit. Um, I'm a a certified tobacco treatment specialist. And in my role as a pediatrician, 
I see so many kids who have illnesses that are either caused or worsened because they have family members who smoke. And these family members obviously love their kids so much, but nicotine addiction is one of the hardest addictions to resolve. It's a, it's a medical disease. Yeah. We know that now, that you know, being addicted to nicotine is probably one of the hardest things to quit. Yeah. Um, and so no one wants to help smokers quit more than I do. The problem is that that is not what we've seen with e-cigarette use that the studies have shown that people who are not in a medical program um, who use e-cigarettes, who pick up e-cigarettes to quit smoking, actually end up being what we call dual users. They use e-cigarettes when they can't smoke cigarettes, and they also are still smoking cigarettes. So that's really, really concerning to us, you know, both in just thinking about as, as a you know, a society, particularly with COVID and knowing the data that we know about, you know, using cigarettes and having COVID, you know, it's no surprise to anybody that outcomes are worse for smokers. That's really disappointing to hear. Absolutely. So I imagine that a lot of vaping has been social peer pressure for, for young kids in high school and whatnot. Did we see a decrease in the uptake during the pandemic when a lot of the students were remote or was it the opposite that students were stressed and looking for some outlet? Hallie, I wish we knew. I think unfortunately, you know, some of the data that we have does suggest that there has been a decrease with the pandemic. And what I'm referring to is a National Youth Tobacco Survey, which has yearly surveys The problem with it is that the um, National Youth Tobacco Survey was an in-school survey until last year Uh when it went virtual. And we did see numbers of high school students and middle school students using e-cigarettes go down, but it was a completely different way of surveying. And so the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which gives this survey, says we really can't compare. But no matter what the number is, higher or lower, you know, we're still seeing numbers of, you know, 11% of high school students are current users and 3% of middle school students are current users. And within that data, the probably one of the most concerning things is that we're seeing those students who say, you know, hey, I use they are using a lot. So about, you know, half of them, 44% of the high school students use e-cigarettes 20 or more days. So that just shows like the level of their addiction. Yeah. I did also want to mention like another survey called Monitoring the Future. That is done a, a little bit of a different way. But their data says that 24%, so one out of four 12th graders in 2021 are using e-cigarettes and about 10%, 8.9% of eighth graders are mm-hmm. using e-cigarettes. So kind of depending on the study that you're looking at, between 10% and 24% of our high school students are addicted, you know, potentially to nicotine. That's wow. huge when you think about them growing up to be adults who are addicted. You know, we know that 
e-cigarette use is a gateway to using regular cigarettes. We also have information and data that suggests that that is then the next step to drugs like marijuana, to other drugs of abuse. And as a society, that really, really worries us. Yeah. Now, how does that prevalence among youth today compare to, say, the boomer generation, which is as far as I know, the has the highest prevalence of smoking. Yeah, Correct me if so, I'm wrong. No, no. I mean, I think um, that's a great point to kind of think, how does that compare? So in the United States, the most recent adult data, 18 years and older, is that 14% of adults smoke cigarettes. Now, that is way down, as you suggested at the beginning, of you know 40% of adults smoke. In that context, though, There are half a million people, adults, who are dying, adults and kids, actually, Mm. who are dying from the consequences of tobacco use and tobacco smoke exposure. So, you know, in 20 years, we don't want that number to be higher than half a million people dying. It's got to be lower, you know, in terms of what we're seeing with the COVID pandemic, what we're seeing with healthcare, what we're seeing with healthcare inequities. We know that tobacco companies have intentionally gone after basically the black community Hmm. and targeted menthol cigarettes to them. And menthol is actually an anesthetic. So it basically numbs. And so the theory is that the um, black community, African-Americans, you know, when they smoke cigarettes, 90% of them smoke menthol because that was what has been targeted in the black communities. And they actually take deeper drags because, you know, they're using a product that basically is numbing the airway and they have more tobacco related death and disease. Wow. So just the, the horrible nature of what we know about health disparities is worsened when we think about, you know, tobacco and who's being targeted and who's using. Sure. What are some of the other risk factors for using? Well, definitely, you know, with um, uh, products like Juul and other e-cigarettes that are marketing and advertising their flavors and, you know, kind of this lifestyle our youth are basically being targeted. Mm. And, you know, we when we talk about the numbers of youth that are using anywhere between one in 10 to one in four high school students, that is just a huge number. Yeah, I have um, three children, three boys that are in their teenage years, and they tell me, and, and we hear anecdotes of this all over the country, you know, they don't want to go to the bathroom because they know there's somebody in the bathroom that's juuling or vaping, and they don't want to be exposed to that, you know, the vaping uh, secondhand vape. And they also don't want to be in a situation where a teacher could come by and think they were doing it. So this is really affecting our kids in so many ways. So how does the price of the Juul or the Puff Bar compare to cigarettes? Great question. And it really depends on what state you live in and what the state tax is. Okay. So in a state like New York that has one of the highest tobacco taxes on cigarettes, you know, it actually is less expensive for a youth 
you know, in terms of thinking about the amount of nicotine to purchase something like a disposable e-cigarette, like a puff bar. I went to the local vape shop recently and, you know, for $10, I was able to purchase an e-cigarette that had um, a very high level of nicotine, Hmm. about 50 milligrams per milliliter of nicotine. And just, you know, for comparison, if, uh, you know, if somebody is to smoke a cigarette, then that's about one to two milligrams of nicotine that they would absorb. Wow. So some of these disposable e-cigarettes have five milliliters of liquid, of that e-cigarette liquid, and at 50 milligrams per milliliter, that's 250 milligrams. That's a massive amount of nicotine. And that's why we feel like our youth are getting addicted so quickly. And are they not taxed the same way cigarettes are taxed then? No, unfortunately, there's no federal taxes. There have been some state and local movement to tax and use that revenue, hopefully, for you know research on how can we get these kids in an evidence-based way to be able to quit, to be able to get over this you know medical disease, which is nicotine addiction. Yeah. Is that something that you're advocating for? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, multiple medical associations are advocating for that. We'll be right back after the break. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So how important were the flavors in the initial uptake of e-cigarettes amongst teens and young adults? It was very important. Um, Mm -hmm. When we survey teenagers and young adults to ask them why are they using these products, generally the top two reasons is either curiosity, and I think probably, you know, peer pressure plays into that, and flavors. And, you know, we know that some of the flavors are you know, come in very child appealing, gummy bear, 
uh, Sour Patch Kids, Death by Chocolate. And, you know, there are over 7,000 flavors, and most of them are ones that would appeal to children. Wow. What's the impact of the addiction to these devices for, for children and how that differs from an adult picking it up? Absolutely. We know that the adolescent brain doesn't fully mature until 25 years of age. Anybody Mm. uh, who has a teenager knows this. And so when we think about the impact of, you know, nicotine use, especially very frequent nicotine use, we know that it causes long-term, both short-term and long-term impacts on brain chemistry. You know, not only that, we know that there can be um, behavioral changes. We know that, you know, it's a gateway potentially for other, you know, drugs, including conventional cigarettes, but other, you know, drugs of abuse. So it's really important for us to keep in mind that the perhaps older way of thinking that, you know, teenagers are, uh, you know, going to experiment, teenagers are rebellious. It's really important for us to prevent teens from using these products, especially because they're so high in nicotine. Yeah. So what can parents do to prevent their child from falling prey to this? That's a great question. And as a parent of three teenagers, you know, I think that it's, you know, the number one thing that we have on our mind. We want our kids to be healthy and to live, you know, healthy lives, which, you know, tobacco use is the exact opposite of that. So first and foremost, you know, when I talk with parents, I say, you know, be a role model. So if you are a tobacco user, you know, we know that it is so hard to quit seek resources. There's uh, 1-800-QUIT-NOW, which is a quit line that offers resources and counseling that's available in all 50 states and the District of Columbia, where I am. Go to your regular physician and let them know that you're interested in quitting because there are very good treatments, you know, both thinking about counseling and thinking about pharmacotherapy, which basically means things like nicotine replacement therapy, like a nicotine gum or patch. And in addition to being a good role model, we also want you you to talk to your kids and set expectations. I know as a parent that oftentimes you think your children are not listening to you, but they are. And so if you let them know that you don't want them to use tobacco, which includes e-cigarettes and vaping, and here are the reasons why, you know, not as a lecture, but this is why you're worried and this is why you care about them, they will listen. So those are, you know, some of the really important things because prevention really is the most important part of it. Mm-hmm. If you think your child is using vape and some of those you know, telltale signs may be, you know, that you see some of the e-cigarette paraphernalia. And that's why it is important as a parent and a pediatrician to be able to recognize what these e-cigarettes look like because they're made to be deceptive. You know, they might look like a flash drive. They may look like a lipstick case. And so it's important to recognize the paraphernalia. Uh, You also may notice um, missing funds, You also, uh, you know, because these products are expensive. And then you also may notice that the telltale kind of sweet, either dessert, candy or fruit smells. 
you know, in kind of the, uh, you know, when I was growing up, you know, if you smoked a cigarette, somebody <laughs> could smell that. They oh, would, you know, as oh, soon you as you walked in the house. Yeah. I mean, exactly. If, even if you were just around it. Exactly. E-cigarettes mm-hmm. are different because there's thousands of flavors and, you know, there is tobacco flavor, but most of our youth are not using the tobacco flavor. They're uh, using the green apple. They're using the Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So those are ways for parents to kind of clue in that their child might be using e-cigarettes. So how do you balance? Um, I have a four-year-old, so I don't yet have a teen, but every this is all on my mind. So how do you balance making sure that your kids understand that this has risky long-term impacts with not tempting them because what your when you're a teenager what your parents say is inherently uncool and it almost makes it more tempting because it's this it's like you know don't press the red button don't press the red button it makes you want to press the red button <laughs> right. um, so how do you balance that with your kids i mean from just from being a parent of teens you know as a parent of three teenagers I totally understand that oftentimes when we give a message, it may not appear as cool. So, you know, what we tell parents or as pediatricians, what we talk to parents about is really making sure that we craft the message to something they care about. So you're absolutely right. If we talk about lung cancer 30 years down the road, that really doesn't speak to them. But if we talk to them about some of the short-term consequences, which for e-cigarette use, things like the lung damage and lung failure that we've seen, unfortunately, due to vaping, you know, that really strikes a nerve with teens. Mm. When we let them know that we, uh, you know, have studies that show that if you vape, you're going to be more likely to cough and wheeze, you're not going to perform as well at school, that the risk is more short term to them. And that's Mm. something that they pay more attention to. Got it. That makes sense. So focus on the, the short-term impact exactly. that they can actually, yeah, they can grasp that. So tell us about your background and what ultimately led you to this work. Yeah, thank you. I'm a, a pediatric hospitalist, which means that I'm a pediatrician who really only focuses on inpatient, like when somebody's hospitalized. And early in my career, I noticed that um, there were a lot of patients, a lot of infants, young children who were hospitalized for breathing problems, like with asthma or with pneumonia or uh, a disease that we really only see in infants called bronchiolitis that's caused by a virus like RSV and can be caused by COVID, and their parents smoked. And unfortunately, you know, I realized that, you know, the parents smoking was contributing to their child's health and Oftentimes, they didn't necessarily realize that. And so that's kind of what started me on the journey to thinking, how can I help these children? And really, oftentimes, it was helping the parents quit. Mm. Um, And so then the e-cigarette, unfortunately, epidemic came where, you know, there were a lot more teenagers who were using e-cigarettes and then seeing things like e-volley, which is e-cigarette or vaping-associated lung injury, where, you know... Teens were dying. Teens were, you know, having to get a lung transplant because of the effects of it. Wow. How common is that? 
Fortunately, those numbers seem like they have improved. And that was something that we were seeing really kind of right at the beginning of COVID. And unfortunately, with COVID, um, the FDA and CDC are no longer tracking it at the national level. But it was something reported in every state in the country and, you know, dozens of people uh, died from the disease. And of course, thousands oh. were hospitalized. Sure. Wow. And so I've been really lucky uh, to serve as chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics section on nicotine and tobacco prevention and treatment. And then, you know, I want to lurk you know, work in my local environment here at Children's National Hospital to provide as many resources as possible to both, you know, the pediatric patients as well as the adult caregivers to help them overcome, you know, this medical disease of nicotine addiction. Yeah. Do children of parents who smoke, are they more likely, less likely, or the same risk factor for starting? That is such a great question. In terms of cigarette smoking, as you said, you know, they are more likely to smoke. You know, when you think statistically, we don't know yet, of course, because vaping is so new, you know, what those numbers are going to be. So if you have a parent uh, and especially actually a sibling who smoke, that patient, that child is going to be more likely to smoke. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering if it would be like, oh, if your parents are smoking, it's uncool. It would have like the opposite effect. I mean, we definitely hear those stories like my mom smoked. I'm never going to smoke. But when you look at the whole population, you know, and obviously there's a lot of other factors, you know, probably socioeconomic and educational levels, that child is more likely to smoke, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. So what is your level of optimism that this problem can be corrected by the time my four-year-old is in high school? Well, I'm a pediatrician, so I have to be optimistic by nature. I think that a lot of what the e-cigarette epidemic among youth is going to be dependent on the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and the regulatory authority they deem over e-cigarettes and vaping. Mm -hmm. uh, so in 2016, they did pass a deeming rule, which basically gave the FDA regulatory authority over e-cigarettes and vape and other tobacco products like cigars, for example. Unfortunately, they have yet to exert all of their regulatory authority and groups like the American Academy of Pediatrics and, you know, advocates like Children's National Hospital we have encouraged the FDA to exert that authority. And so in October of 2021, the FDA did approve three different e-cigarette products that were all tobacco flavored. But unfortunately, they have not approved or denied millions of other products. And so if you go to the grocery store or the gas station or go online, there are still products that are being sold that have flavors, that are disposables. And, you know, some of that is the FDA's regulatory authority, as well as federal and state enforcement. So we've got a long way to go in terms of protecting our children on the regulation front, as well as marketing and advertising. Yeah, it sounds like it really needs to be a combination of the healthcare system 
policymakers, these companies need, need to, you know, understand the impact of what they're doing. Is there anyone else that needs, parents probably, maybe even kids need to be involved in solving this problem? Absolutely. And I think another group that's really important that I've had the real pleasure of working with is our teachers and school Ah. administrators, because Mm -hmm. they're the ones that are finding these products at school. When you have a teenager who's severely nicotine addicted, oftentimes they're using their vape throughout the day. So Mm -hmm. I've been to high schools where the principal basically brings me a huge box (sighs) of confiscated e-cigarettes. And they, frankly, they don't know what to do. Um, You know, certain schools have, you know, taken off the bathroom doors, off bathroom stalls. So that way, you know, kids can't, you know, uh, you know, secretly vape. Um, And what we as pediatricians really want to just make sure that we do is highlight the fact these are kids. These are kids that, you know, really are being marketed to, you know, we know that these tobacco companies are going on social media, they're paying people um, to be, you know, influencers and Mm. say, you know, hey, these e-cigarettes are great, you should use them. And this is a playbook that Big Tobacco has done, you know, for decades. So we want to, you know, really make sure that we're protecting, uh, you know, our youth. Um, Fortunately, Congress did pass Tobacco 21, which means that um, the sale of tobacco products to anyone less than 21 years of age is not allowed. We do have some opportunity for enforcement, however, with that in terms of by state and federally. So how can people get involved and support your work? So, you know, I think that one of the best ways to do that is to reach out to your local organization. Pretty much every city and county and state has, you know, a tobacco-free task force or tobacco-free group. Um, Certainly, you know, Children's National Hospital and the advocates here are very active at, you know, kind of the district level and then the federal level at saying these are dangerous products for youth. Mm -hmm. So clearly there's lots of opportunity. Well, Dr. Wally, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this space. Thank you for your time today explaining this problem to us. And like you, I am hopeful that we can come together. And by the time I have a teen, this won't be the threat that I'm worried about. Thank you so much for having me. So we have, it sounds like nine years until <laughs> your sweet four-year-old yeah. becomes a teenager. Yep. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Oh, maybe sooner, hopefully sooner. Let's get it done sooner. That's right. We'll be working yeah. hard. Thank you so much for bringing attention to this. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heart of Healthcare. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. The Heart of Healthcare is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seely. Our intern is Antonella Sterniolo. Our host is Hallie Tecco. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seely. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. 
That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.